You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, everybody, to the Champions League Gigolasso quarterfinal draw show. Semra Hunter from La Liga TV is in the house. James Bench, our very own James Bench from CBS Sports is in the house. We're going to be talking about the fixtures, the what just happened. We'll have some thoughts, best matchups, biggest mismatches, predictions, and so much more. Semra Hunter, uh, first of all, before we get into it, uh, I know that I've already asked you this, but I have to ask you once again your initial thoughts about Spanish teams and their fates as they hope to get into the final four from the final eight. In a nutshell, I would say my biggest hope and faith lies in Real Madrid. I think they have the most evenly balanced um, tie of the three Spanish teams. I think Atletico Madrid are somewhere in the medium ground where they might be able to pull off a positive results in one of the legs. But I think over the two legs, it'll be Man City that goes through and Villarreal. I just don't think they have a shot in, you know what? <laughs> so I'm really sorry to say that. here, Samra. Don't worry. I, okay. I don't think Villarreal have a shot in hell. It really saddens me to say it, but I think that the fairy tale, the dream, it ends here for them. I think Bayern Munich are just far too strong, far too superior. And they have too much experience at this level. In, in European competition, the Champions League uh, and the European Cup, right? Villarreal, they've only reached the quarterfinals in this competition for the third time. And they've only just won the Europa League for the first time ever in their history last year. So I think this is just a little bit too beyond them. But Real Madrid-Chelsea, that's an interesting one. That's a really, really interesting one. And I think with the way that Real Madrid have been playing lately, Ancelotti has made them a little bit more flexible and tactically adept as well. Typically, you would think of them as a classic textbook counter-attacking side. But actually, recently, Ancelotti wants them to play really high up the press, uh, high up the pitch, employ really high press, and play with a lot of intensity. And they've been doing that. So depending on who they have ahead of them, and also the phase of the game, because they can change things up too, depending then you don't really necessarily know what you're going to get from Madrid. It's a little bit more unpredictable than usual. But having said that, Chelsea, they're probably in the best run of form of, of the season. Uh, what have they, I mean, they've done incredibly well, right? I mean, it's like, I can't remember exactly, five wins on the bounce. Is it something like mm-hmm. that, James? No? And they've really yeah. hit their stride. Obviously, everything that's going on outside of the realm of just the, the pitch may have an impact. It may not have an impact. We'll have to wait and see. Um but then again, I think, yeah, going back to City and Atletico Madrid, it's a real clash of styles. There's no question about it. Guardiola, possession, pressing, intensity, aggressivity, moving the ball around. And it's just going to be Atletico Madrid saying, OK, you guys come at us. We're going to sit deep. Every man behind the ball, probably a 5-4-1 in defence, uh, just leaving Joao Felix a little bit further afield up to get the ball to him as quickly as they can if they get an opportunity to hit on the counter. But it's going to be a really tough one for for, for everybody. I oh know, man, I I'm so gutted. I know I it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. But uh, before we go into uh, James Bench's thoughts, I'm going to go to him first. After that, let me just break it down for everybody uh, joining regarding uh, the quarterfinal draw. So I'll, I'll break down uh, the fixtures and what we can expect. It's going to be Chelsea against Real Madrid, Manchester City against Atlético de Madrid. Villarreal against Bayern Munich and Benfica 
against Liverpool. There you have our graphic from CBS Sports. Golasso will be talking about each game. So James Bench, let's first, let's do this, James Bench, actually. Let's go from that graphic itself. Let's, uh, let's begin with uh, Benfica against Liverpool. Uh, obviously, Benfica did tremendously to get to this point, beating an Ajax side that many of us thought go even all the way to the final, not just you know, not just the quarters, facing a Liverpool side that's clicking, uh, pushing for the title. I mean, things are looking good. Jurgen Klopp had an amazing quote a few days ago. I'm going to try yeah. and find it before we go to... Uh, uh, momentum. It's like a flower. Yeah, he compared momentum to a delicate flower. Uh, obviously, it's a beautiful thing, but if you step on it just like that, it's gone. My God, uh, Jürgen, Emily Dickinson, Klopp, incredible stuff. James <laughs> Bench, Benfica, yeah, Benfica against Liverpool, talk to me. Yeah, I mean, he was going on a bit in that press conference. <laughs> ended up running to about 20 minutes. I, was, I really had a home to get to. Um, I think this is probably the most one-sided. And I think kind of when we look at the ties as a whole, you know, this isn't 1985 NBA draft, let's get Patrick Ewing to the New York Knicks. But there's some well very... Done. Well said fantastic you know the draw has clearly worked in a way where we we can be pretty certain that well we'll get four of the five best teams in Europe I think um you know Chelsea slash Real Madrid and then we kind of think the other the other three we have a rough idea who we're getting but yeah Benfica are going to find it really tough they defended doggedly they just parked everyone behind the ball against Ajax and against Ajax it just about worked it would not work that often um Liverpool are just the squad depth they have at the moment is phenomenal. Two top quality players. We saw this against Arsenal on Wednesday night where they were struggling a little bit and, you know, Arsenal were holding firm and then you kind of just look down to the bench and there were Roberto Firmino and, and Mo Salah. And he'll be able to do that, whether it's those two, Jota, Mane, it's his game changes across the pitch. Um, like this feels like the most one-sided tie and I just cannot see a world where Liverpool don't, beat Benfica quite handily. Yeah, Samra? No, I agree. I agree. And going back to the momentum with Liverpool, they've picked up, what, 14? No, they've won 14 out of the last 15 games. They've picked up 14 points to bring the title race to just one point behind City. Um, so that has to face each other next really, month. So well. Exactly. So that's turning into something really, really interesting. They're playing uh, exceptionally good football on, on average in general. Um, they're in a really good vein of form right now. So I think there's a lot of wind in their sails. And I, I agree. I think Benfica is a very generous um, opponent to have at this stage. Probably one of the ones that you would have liked to get at this stage because it's, I don't want to say a guarantee. Obviously, it's not a guarantee. Nothing is. But they have a much higher percentage of going through because of the fact that they do have that depth of squads. He does have so many resources available to him, Jurgen Klopp. And they're just one of the best teams, I think, on the planet right now yeah. and I think it's just difficult for anybody really to put a stop to them so I would say that's probably the most one of the most comfortable ties uh, of the quarterfinals well if Liverpool beat Benfica they'll face either Bayern Munich or Villarreal in the semi-finals of the Champions League and they would be home in the first leg as well so you know I would imagine that a Liverpool fan is very 
very happy. By the way, don't forget, we have a Paramount Plus $100 gift card to give away, some Roma shirts to give away. Uh, give us your handles in the chat. If you haven't done so, please do so. We're just giving things away and none of you want it. Unbelievable. If this was just all Peruvians, I'm telling you, we'll be taking that in a heartbeat. So I don't know why. And Spanish people too. <laughs> yeah, that's, true. <laughs> that's true. All right. Well, listen. All right. Well, let's keep going then. And let's talk about that game that we initially discussed. Uh, Chelsea against uh, Real Madrid, uh, a tasty encounter, of course, for our American audience. This isn't a, a chance for Christian Pulisic to face uh, Real Madrid. Uh, if you're a Madridista, uh, it's Karim Benzema, Vinicius Jr., facing, of course, uh, Vinicius Jr. facing against his compatriot, Thiago Silva. There's so many individual matchups to think of. And, of course, Carlo Ancelotti, uh, that knows Chelsea very well, obviously knows the Premier League very well. And Thomas Tuchel as well, I guess, uh, you know, when he faced him when he was with PSG, etc. So, uh, James, let me jump with you first, because the, as Samra mentioned at the very beginning, Chelsea, aside from the action on the pitch, have to deal with a lot right now. And uh, Thomas Tuchel has been commendable throughout this whole thing, obviously. And you, I, I really feel that he goes into that dressing room every single time before a game and says, no matter what's going on outside of here, we can take care of business on the pitch. And I think you're seeing that. But now comes a mountain, an obstacle against Real Madrid. What are your thoughts? I mean, uh, if we talk about things on the pitch, mm -hmm. I think there's quite a big gap between Chelsea and Real Madrid and it's in Chelsea's favour. Uh, I think they have, and we, to be honest, we saw this last year, didn't we, where they they won quite handily. And I, I would probably agree that Madrid have got better. Vinicius has taken a, a huge step forward and, and gave Chelsea all sorts of difficulties. Chelsea maybe haven't gone that far forward, but it looks like they're finding a template kind of built around Havertz and Pulisic. But as you say, LME, this is like the off-the-field stuff is going to matter as it stands. And we all know we're seeing every day with Chelsea that things can change radically. But as it stands, there's not going to be fans at Stamford Bridge. And that's when it kind of moves from, you know, we can, that, you know, they can cope with not maybe having to get a, a, not getting a charter flight to Madrid. That stuff they can probably cope with. But actually, you know, if you've got to go to the Bernabeu and play against and what will be, again, there will be no traveling fans as it stands a capacity or near capacity Madrid crowd and then you come back to to London or whichever way the ties are and you don't have that on your side that hurts that's tough that you know Stamford Bridge is a great ground on European nights makes a lot of noise you know those fans have, will will let Real Madrid know that they are the champions of Europe um that I think is a, a potential x factor in this tie as much as uh, uh there are you know footballing reasons to like Chelsea. I would be really excited for Danny Carvajal against Pulisic as well because yeah. Mbappe was dominant down the PSG left. Pulisic's I was going to say, level, Carvajal but... is really having a shocking time right now. Mm. He's not having a good season. Um, well, I mean, he, he was injured for quite some time. He's come back. He's shown that he's not quite up to mar match sharpness, match fitness. He's made a, quite a couple of big mistakes. He was dropped the other day. I think more than he was actually rested. So I think you're right. I think that would be a really interesting battle to keep an eye on because Bulisic could definitely cause a lot of trouble down down Real Madrid's right hand side. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, Samra, give us uh, Real Madrid's perspective. Uh, you know, how would you think Carlo Ancelotti is feeling about this one? Because, you know, to James Benj's point, there are issues. But Chelsea is the defending champion. Chelsea knows what to do against elite competition. Chelsea has some uh, cards up their sleeve. Romelu Lukaku, of course, wasn't there last time around. He's here, of course, despite of how many minutes he may or may not get. They still have N'Golo Kante, Jorginho, of course, etc., etc. How would you feel from a Real Madrid perspective? I agree with James that I think that when it comes to the quality of the football being played right now, Chelsea are the better team. But I think the one thing that you can't discount from Real Madrid is their mentality. They think that they are the best football club in history. Luka Modric said so um, the other day before before the round of 16. Yeah, a rejuvenated Luka Modric, by the way. He looks ridiculous right He's now. having a ridiculous season, by the way. If you haven't been watching him, you need to start watching him because yeah. it has just been such a joy. He's so classy, so elegant. And the way that he delivers those passes with such precision, he has such insight and such intellect in the way that he moves the ball around and the way he reads the game. It's just, it's really, it's fabulous to see. But anyway, back to my point. So... The thing is, they have this mentality that they are fighters, that they can win no matter what. They don't have to play well to get the job done. And so I think in that sense, they have more experience in this competition than the likes of Chelsea, who also have a much younger team. Uh, On average, it's what, like maybe 24, 25 years old, something like that. Real Madrid is an older side. You pointed out Luka Modric, I think he's 36 years old. Benzema's 34 years old. Uh, Mm. Cross is 32 years old. So you have an aging midfield, even though they're still playing at an exceptionally high level. And same with Karim Benzema, who was having the best season ever, full stop. He's just an unbelievable player, not just because of the goals, but everything else that he offers in attack, his movements, the way he moves, uh, he reads the game, the way that he creates spaces for his uh, his teammates in attack, the way that he can drag out uh, opposition defenders and, and, and so on. So I think they have enough tools in the toolbox, if you like, to 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 get something from this. And I think they do have a really good chance of going through against Chelsea because I agree with James. I think whatever's happening off the pitch, it's football's an emotional game like any sport is, and it can seep in to the minds and to the psyche of the players and also to Tuchel, and it could have an effect. So I think there's a lot in favour of Real Madrid for this one, but I'm not necessarily certain that the better team at present will necessarily go through. Yeah, I, this is purely, this is a matchup of uh, tactics and uh, know-how and, and talent against the same thing, right? One, obviously, to Benji's point, uh, you know, Tina's probably playing better. You cannot, in this composition, disregard experience, elite, and just this winning mentality. And I feel Real Madrid uh, have that. Uh, could all the off-the-field distractions, James Bench, have a galvanizing effect on the Chelsea squad, do you think? Do you think they're losing a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, collective unity? Or do you think it's more of what I said at the beginning, which is uh, hopefully Tuchel? And actually, who was it? Michael, I think, Lahoots said a very good point about Chelsea needs the eldest uh, statesman, the 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 older players in there, your Thiago Silvas, etc. Maybe even, you know, somebody like N'Golo Kante to just mm. rally people together and be like, look, we got to stick together. What do you think? It's a, it's a particularly strange one because this isn't sort of like, you know, again, we, we mentioned this earlier, Tuchel spoke really well about this. Um, if you kind of think about the specific reasons why these things are happening, it is, he was asked very early on and it was a poor choice of words, but he was basically asked if this could allow him to create a siege mentality 
um, which you know all managers are looking for. And um, of course, you know, he rightly said no, because this is not a normal set of circumstances. This is, you know, this is about war going on in Ukraine. And I think, you know, the Chelsea players are not blind to that. They're intelligent young men. They kind of know why their club is suffering what it's suffering. And I don't, so I don't think it does quite galvanise in the same way. Equally, I'm balancing that off against, I think there's probably something kind of, there is quite something quite unifying, like we've got to sort our own travel, you know, we've got to get the bus, we've got to, everything's a bit harder for us. And um, But I don't think it's quite the same as a uh, points deduction or a string of red cards, things like that. It is complex. Maybe this will all change because... I don't. The, the new owner probably won't be in place. You know, um, as we speak, the deadline for bids is in less than twelve hours. Um, but it will be more than a month, I think, before the new owner is there. But yeah, by May, I think there will be some. There will be some clarity probably going forward. Uh, you know, a, a preferred bidder should have been selected. So maybe that at least means that, that that some of the tough stuff is not hanging over Chelsea's head, and maybe everything I've said about. An empty Stamford Bridge is null and void because by then, you know, the sanctions have moved, have changed or something. So Chelsea are just completely unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, but you're probably going to ask me to predict what happens, aren't you? Well, we, I will, but once we talk about all the teams, so don't worry. Uh, you could, you both can mull it over uh, before we finish uh, talking about every fixture. But let's talk uh, about uh, Manchester City against Atletico de Madrid. As soon as those balls came out, Semra Hunter went like this, oh no, <laughs> probably more than any other fixture. Obviously, we know the machine that is Man City, but Guardiola has still yet to win this competition with the club. The club is still waiting for that title. So it, it's not like they're, you know, as James Bench said earlier, it's not, you know, and Tottenham proved they're not completely omnipotent. How do you see if this is to happen? Atletico de Madrid, Cholo Simeone, how can they do it? They need to play the way they did against Manchester United. And I have to say I'm surprised in Manchester United that they look like a team that had no idea who their opponents were. It was like mm. they'd never seen Atletico Madrid play before. They yeah, just played completely point. into their hands. And they made it a bit too easy, especially in the second leg, I think. And that really surprised me. I, I expected, maybe I shouldn't have, considering Manchester United and, and the, the hot mess that they're in, uh, on and off the pitch as well. Um, but I did expect at least a better performance from them considering that they were at home uh, to show a little bit of pride and they were very disappointing. And having said that, I know a lot of people were really upset about the way that Atletico Madrid played, but yes, that was vintage Atletico Madrid. That was probably the most Atleti style performance I've seen from them all season long. And that's the thing. They need to bring that against City because they've had an incredibly irregular season. They've had a horrible defense of their title in La Liga. They've been so up and down and they've been incredibly difficult to predict. So they've had the worst defensive records ever since Cholo Simeone has taken over. They've already surpassed that tally a while back. I think it's like 36, 37 goals, something like that. They've shipped by now in La Liga. So they have a lot more defensive vulnerabilities, a lot more frailties at the back. They're definitely a lot easier to penetrate than they used to be. But they are scoring a little bit more than they also typically tend to do. Part of the problem is that they've been like a victim of their own success. The more that they've been winning over the last few years, the stronger they've become in terms of building the squad. They've been adding more quality, but also been making the squad much more offensive, which is kind of the opposite of how Cholo Simeone likes to, to play his football. He's a defensive-minded manager. 
And so he's really been grappling with how do I make this work this season? How do I strike a balance with all this attacking flair and creative footballers that I have in the side? And at times it's worked, but at times it hasn't. And they've honestly been getting through a lot of the games based on the fact that they are just absolute warriors and fighters and they'll play with aggression and physicality and do what they have to. To, to get a victory, not because they're playing well, if that makes sense. And he's been changing the system far too many times. Sometimes it's confused the players in the past. And so I think now they need to really stick to the guns and say, listen, okay, we have a blueprint. What we did against Manchester United across the two legs, it worked exceptionally well, and we need to stick to that. And I think if they can do that against City, then they have a fighting chance. But you already mentioned it, City are a goal-scoring machine. They're one of the best teams on the planet as well with Liverpool. And so for me... I think they will probably knock out Atletico Madrid, um, but I hope they at least put up a really good, a really good fight and a good showing against City, if that were to be the case. Yeah, it's quite it's quite hard talking about City because, um, like, you know, perfect things and City are a decent approximation of, of perfection in mm. in like the way they play. It can be a bit dull, like it's slightly like. I mean, it will, you know, it, it, the moments themselves can be thrilling, but then you kind of take a step back and look at the big picture. Uh, and like, I don't know what to tell people about Kevin De Bruyne and Mares and Grealish and Foden and everyone that they don't already know. So I'm going to ask Semra a question instead okay. um, about Jan Oblak. Because I, I mean, you, we kind of in, the, in England, we kind of picked up on this before the, the first leg. Uh, kind of watching the goals he's conceded, the, the, one of the things I saw was a lot beating him to his left. I don't know if you kind of have any insight on that, but also, especially in the second leg, it just felt like early on he had the yips or something like that. Like a player that had lost all belief in his own technique, which is so strange to see the best, best shot stopper, I think in, in the world over the recent years. And it just had gone like, what is the view in Spain as to, to what's gone wrong and like how, to, how to fix it? Because he will be so busy, won't he? This, this. <laughs> he's going to be incredibly busy, but I think everybody is going to be really busy at Atletico Madrid because they're just going to have to sit back in a low block and just defend, 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 defend. So you're spot on about Jan and Black and the sensation that he gave you in the early stages of the game and in the so-called yips because it has been a recurring theme for him this entire campaign. He's not playing like himself at all. He's playing in a very uncharacteristic way, which is to say that he's making a lot of mistakes that historically he would never make. So you kind of wonder, I mean, we've been going on about this ourselves, trying to analyze what's going on with him this season. And I think there's a couple of factors. One is he seems to be maybe mentally, psychologically not at it for whatever reason. Maybe there's something going on in his life personally that we just don't know about or whatever reason, there has been a knock in his confidence. He certainly isn't playing with that self-belief that he's had in the years prior. Certainly not like last season. Last season, he was tremendous and absolutely fundamental in them winning the league. And I think part of it as well is that because they're not as good defensively this season, that doesn't help. He's a lot more exposed. He's been put into action a lot more than he was last season because a lot of the times, the players that he had in front of him, like Savage or Jimenez, um, they were able to shut down opponents before they could even get to, to a Jan Oblak. That's not the case this season. So I think there is a little bit of lack of confidence in his own defenders, in those who are ahead of him. And also because they've had a lot of injury and issues as well because of COVID, you know, like everybody else, so many teams have been affected by this. Charles Simeone has been changing up the back line a lot. 
whether it's a back four, whether it's a back five, but also the individual pieces have been changing a lot. So there isn't a lot of unity amongst the defenders as well or understanding necessarily. And it's opened itself up or invited itself to have a bit of confusion, um, whether it's between themselves or with All Black or whatever. So I think there's there's kind of this, um, how could I say it? Like a coming together of various factors that are, uh, leading to this issue with Oblak this season. Yeah, it's not an individual thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's not yeah. just an individual thing, but I think it is an individual and a collective thing. And I definitely think you're right that he's going to be very, very, very busy against City. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I will say, though, I will say, though, and Man City, uh, obviously, we know how good they are and stuff. Uh, and they have proven me wrong in terms of my biggest criticism, which is they don't have a clinical number nine. And I feel right. that maybe that's not an issue in the Premier League, but in a tournament, in a competition, when everything, all the chips, maybe maybe they'll make it to the final. But what happens then? Sometimes you need a Kareem Benzema. Sometimes you need a Lewandowski. Sometimes you need, uh, you know, a, a target man in order to to get you something when you're not playing well. But we will see. By the way, Atleti have advanced in four of the five ties against English sides. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that historically, but it might just be too much. Let's discuss uh, the final game, of course, which is a Bayern Munich Let's against. Not, <laughs> Let's not, okay. <laughs> all right, come on. well, we can be quick on this one, I guess. First of all, like commendable Unai Emery quarterfinals for the first time in the history of his managing career. Amazing. Now facing, and you know, everybody should know the Villarreal story. This is a tiny, tiny town. Uh, you know, Submarino Amarillo, like they, they've done, they've got a great history of great players, etc. James French knows Unai Emery, of course. Uh, well from his Arsenal days as well. But this is a manager that knows how to play in Europe, winning Europa League uh, for the first time last time around as well, and now in the Champions League. But now they're facing Bayern Munich, uh, a team that just, you know, if they're clicking the right time, they will score goals uh, every time they blink. Samra Hunter, um, do they have, I mean, Atleti, Man City is one thing. How about Villarreal Bayern Munich? What do you see here? If ever there were an underdog, and let me tell you one thing about Atletico Madrid, they love to be the underdog. That's when they rise to the occasion. They get very nervous when they're the ones who are the favourites. So I think that will actually play really well into their into their hand, the fact that they will be the underdogs going into this one against City. I don't think that's going to be the case with Villarreal. <laughs> they are the absolute underdogs. And I, I would so love to see a scenario where maybe if it were a single elimination game, maybe maybe they would be able to get it done. But over two legs, I see it being extremely difficult for them to, to get past Bayern Munich. I think it's one of the most lopsided uh, ties of, of the four, to be honest. Yeah. And regardless of, of what happens, I agree with you. We have to give Unai Emery massive respect for what he has done with Villarreal and also just who he is as a manager. I mean, he we forget he's won the Europa League a lot <laughs> with different teams. And he did it again with Villarreal in the very first season. That was why they brought him in, brought him in. They wanted success. And they never even won any sort of silverware before that. So it was a huge deal for them. And now, the following season, have made it out of the group stage and out of the round of 16 and advanced to the, to the qualifiers. I think that's, uh, to the quarterfinals, I think that's even surpassed everybody's expectations. So no matter what happens, I think he will earn massive respect for the work that he has done. It's been remarkable. It's been a joy to see. But I definitely think it's this is just way, way too big uh, for them a tie to, to overcome. I think Bayern Munich will probably go through with relative ease. All right, James Bench. 
I have I have two things that I think I mean I agree, but I have two things I think VRL could do to to even the odds a little bit. One is like you know a football idea. Um, we saw with Salzburg in the round of sixteen um, that basically you know buying quite often really fall into whether you know deliberately it's by design or naturally they they end up with the back three like either Alfonso Davies is so far ahead or whoever's playing at left back or actually you know and in the first leg first leg of the round of 16 um Guzman played I think it was Coman and Gnabry as wing backs they're not back like they're wings not backs um so <laughs> what Salzburg did really well was just stick three strikers up there um and just say yeah defend one-on-one you you will you know we will gamble and hope that our keeper has it and really great great goalkeeper so maybe you just yeah. gamble and you put Pino uh Danjuma Moreno at the top of the pitch and say actually we think we might win some individual duels against the not amazing defense and then the other thing and this will be much more effective um when the teams come out play the Europa League music come on Unai Emery hears that you know he's winning. This is Unai Emery Europa League. He's winning that that game. Um, yeah, that would work. But yeah, other than yeah. that, I got nothing. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point, and I, I I totally agree with you. I think if he decides to take a roll of the dice to gamble and say, you know what, let's actually go for this. Let's put on more attacking players than than just sitting back and defending, which is what they've been doing in Europe. Mm. It's just sitting deep and defending. Then maybe you're right because of Bayern's high press. As we said before, I mean they have so much space to run into behind them. Dan Juma's incredibly fast. So is Jeremy Pino. And if Ger- Gerard Moreno is fit and in form, then they can definitely get a goal or two, especially playing at home. But yeah. that's definitely a, a really good point that you mentioned. Yeah, never, never say never uh, in, in this uh, situation. But you know, Bayern Munich on paper obviously looked like the favorite. But you know, uh, especially if Villarreal are healthy, things could definitely go, you know, I guess a better way than they expect. All right. Well, those were uh, the fixtures. So let's do a quick prediction. All right. You don't have to uh, think about it too much. Just your gut reaction. Try and think uh, brain over heart. Uh, uh, but let, let's see. So let's I'm going to I'm going to say the fixture. You're going to tell me the winner and you just you can just be literally the team and that's it and we can figure out what the semi-finals are and then figure out a final see if we all come to agreement so first one up uh benfica against liverpool nice and easy samra hunter liverpool all right james bench uh it's obviously liverpool all right so we got liverpool winning that one all right let's go to uh man city atletico de madrid samra hunter man city <laughs> james bench <laughs> Yes, City. All right. And we have uh, Chelsea uh, against Real Madrid. Samra Hunter. Real Madrid. Real Madrid. James Bench. Chelsea. Oh, there we go. Some discrepancy, finally. (laughs) Finally. And the the next one, the final one, of course, Villarreal, Bayern Munich, Samra Hunter. Bayern Munich. James Bench. Bayern Munich. All right. So we're all in agreement aside from the Chelsea Real Madrid fixture. I'm actually going to go with Real Madrid uh, in this one, I think. Yeah. So obviously the semifinals will look a little bit different. But now that you know who's meeting who, who do you see on one side of the bracket? Who do you see in the final, James Bench? Uh, So I think it's Liverpool, probably. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I think it's Liverpool, Chelsea. Wow. Wow. Samra Hunter? I agree with Liverpool. Yeah. I agree with Liverpool. Ah, 
the other side is really difficult about the bracket. Obviously, I said no Chelsea, so it's got to be Real Madrid or it's got to be City. Yeah. Oof. I think it will be City Liverpool. Yeah, I, I think I think so too. I was gonna go with a Man City Real Madrid wishful thinking final, but that's out the window because of the bracket. But so uh, much also depends on 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 who's available for the games. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Rash, thank so you it's so kind much. Of difficult there. to say so far in advance because things may happen between suspensions, injuries, etc. But I mean, if we had to go based on form today, I think that's what I would go with City Liverpool. The race for the title is Man City against Liverpool. I think the Champions League final is going to be Liverpool against Man City. But wouldn't that be something for the Premier League, etc.? But anyway, uh, there you have it, everybody. Uh, that's your Champions League quarterfinals. We're all set. Uh, so happy that first of all, Samra Hunter, thank you so much for being part of the show. Samra Hunter, by the way, you can follow her on Twitter, Samra Hunter. And of course, she's part of La Liga TV. Exceptional work over there with her cast and crew, dissecting everything that's beautiful about the Spanish League. Samra, thank you so much. Any final thoughts, anything you want to plug before you say goodbye? Thank you very much, obviously, for having me. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. It's been such a phenomenal chat. I'm really excited about the Champions League, but maybe I shouldn't because I've knocked out all of the Spanish teams. But, yeah, I don't know. Viva La Liga, baby. I love it. I love it. Hey, by the way, we have a Europa League show coming later as well. And Barcelona, oh, I mean, thoughts Barcelona on that one. Barcelona in the final, Barcelona to win. There you go. And they're playing at the Sanchez P1, the home of Sevilla. So That's true. Barcelona, that. West Ham final is what everybody wants, I think. Uh Definitely, James. I, win. <laughs> I love Actually, it. No, I want Barcelona West Ham in like every round. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Final thoughts, James. Bench, aside from Barcelona and West Ham in every round. Yeah, I'm just um, the, the this end to the season is going to be incredibly grueling for anyone that's followed, looking at like Premier League football. It's going to be relentless, and uh, yeah, you wouldn't but want to be the want, guy James. covering it. On his own for CBS, would you? Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. Don't worry. Uh, I'll try and move back to England in a few years, James Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. Thank you, Samra Hunter. Thank you, James Benj. Gigo Lasso will be right back with Michael LaHood as we dissect Europa League quarterfinals. We'll see you then. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. 
and it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, that was Samra Hunter and James Benjamin. Now, Michael LaHood joins the show uh, because the Europa League quarterfinals have been decided. Michael, how are you, buddy? It's an early start to the day, but I am doing live. When European competition comes back with a vengeance, with a draw, you got to get up early for the big news. Absolutely. That or if you're married to a teacher like I am, you just have to get married no matter what. But Michael, welcome back to the show, buddy. Uh, hi, everybody. We're uh, back uh, discussing Europa League quarterfinals and they are tasty too. And by the way, before we begin, Michael, I got to say, sneakily, the Europa League anthem is better than the Champions League anthem. So I'm like, I find myself like, you know, bumping my head to it sometimes. It's, it's pretty good. I like it. You know, it's a little salsa, a little flavor to it. You got you to gotta have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's pretty good. I like it. Anyway, welcome, everybody. Europa League. Obviously, you know, the Europa League has also given us a lot of drama. We saw exactly what happened this week with West Ham. Amazing, amazing scenes at London Stadium as they beat Sevilla. Uh, Andrei Yarmolenko, of course, Ukrainian star, so emotional for him. Uh, a return to a quarterfinal in Europe for West Ham for the first time since 1981. And also from the other side, Barcelona getting the job done, of course, against Galatasaray. Pedri is just an absolute magician, but it's not just about them. A lot of other teams that could fight for this Europa League title. So let me just read the fixtures on the quarterfinals uh, and everything breaking down, even who they would meet in the semis. And then Michael will begin to dissect a few of them, uh, beginning, of course, with Barcelona, who will be traveling to Eintracht Frankfurt. That will be an interesting one. And on the other side of that, by the way, West Ham will face Lyon from Ligue 1. And that, by the way, so the winners will meet against each other in the semi. So you could have a Barcelona-West Ham semifinal or a German-French semifinal or whatever it is. But there is a possibility still of Barcelona and West Ham facing each other. And then on the other side, uh, Leipzig, Atalanta, by the way, two teams that fell from the Champions League. Of course, they will face each other and they will face the winner of Braga from Portugal against Scottish side Rangers. Amazing. And of course... You know, uh, we will make sure to cover all of it as they continue to go through the journey of the Europa League. Michael, let's begin, of course, with Barcelona. Uh, obviously, a lot has gone on <laughs> with them from the beginning of the season. Xavi has rejuvenated them. We saw some great goals, specifically from, you know, Pedri, because we talk a lot about the January transfer acquisitions, but my goodness, the talent from La Masia continues. And now they face... Um, and Eintracht Frankfurt side who are not going to let them breathe that much. How do you expect this game? I think it's, it's going to be tricky for Barcelona because, like you said, Frankfurt's a team that seeds possession, but they don't care about that. They're they're in the spirit of Germany, which is efficiency. We all know if you have a German friend, they love to be efficient, and Frankfurt is no different. Against Betis, Betis likes to play out of the back, so do a club called Barcelona. What Frankfurt do so well is they have such a good high press. And once they win it, they have three, four, five, at times six players 
running in on goal and they go direct to goal. For Barcelona, what I like about this team is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang cannot stop scoring. And now you're seeing more of an offensive dimension come from this team. Frankie de Jong is getting in the attack. Another assist to his name on the Aubameyang goal. And th this is a team that's catching form at the right time of the season, both in league play and in European competition. Yeah, to your point, though, Eindring Frankfurt likes to uh, take advantage of teams who like to be passive in possession. Not to say that Real Betis or Barcelona are passive, but they do like to keep yeah. the ball. So I am imagining it's about doing the Mike Tyson philosophy, right? Uh, everybody has a plan until you punch them in the face. And I feel like Frankfurt could do that. However, I do see a different angle of Barcelona here, Michael, because of Adama Traore. You mentioned Pierre-Emerick. Aubameyang, they can be direct when they want to be. They can go wide and cross it in when they want to be. So where are you looking in terms of individual matchups? And in the end, I guess, who would you see advancing? I'm looking out wide to the wide spaces. Frankfurt, they play in a 3-4-3 formation. And typically the, the transition moment, defensive transition for Frankfurt, that's one of their weaknesses. Nabil Fakir, he scored a transition goal and couldn't find any space centrally, so he drifted out wide. And mm -hmm. 1v1, when you're a center back going up against an Adama Traore or Usman Dembele, who came off the bench in Turkey to change the game. Barca now have depth, which is something they haven't had in the last two seasons. Absolutely. Uh, well said. Well, on the other side of that bracket, West Ham, I mean... You know, uh, everybody knows uh, how much love I have for the Premier League. And in here, I was so happy to see a West Ham United beat uh, Sevilla, even though Sevilla will be lamenting the fact uh, that they gave it away in many ways. But West Ham really fought hard. And London Stadium, a stadium that does is not known for being loud or overwhelming, was exactly the opposite. But now, West Ham United... Uh, face a Leon side that I guess it will be tricky to figure out from a David Moyes perspective. I mean, Leon haven't done amazingly in league, but they do have pedigree, especially in the continent. How do you see that one? It, it's a very tricky fixture for West Ham. But what I like about West Ham is they can win games in any manner of ways. They're built to grind out results if they have to. You saw that against this Sevilla team where they're one nil down in the first leg, they come back home and it's the fighting spirit and the will to win David Moyes, teams. They have that in their DNA. This West Ham team has that. And a player who's going to be so key to that is Mikel Antonio. This guy, he's played just about every position except goalkeeper, I think in this West Ham organization and club. And now he's starting to figure it out as a central forward. He, can drift out wide to his left, and he's even using his left foot. I mean, that was something that I thought he only used to stand on or get on the plane to go back to Jamaica for World Cup qualification. <laughs> <laughs> and for Lyon, it hasn't been a memorable season in the league. They did lose one of their top scorers in Memphis Depay, which changes the dynamic. But I like Lucas Paqueta for this team, and Carl Toko Kembi. Paqueta on the Brazilian national team breaking out as an attacking midfielder, and he's starting to get settled in Europa League competition, not so much in League 1, and Carl Toko Kembe is bringing that African Cup of Nations form to European competition, one of their leading goal scorers in the Europa League, and he's a handful, especially in transition. Yeah, so, okay, uh, I guess the individual matchup that I see in that one is uh, Paqueta and Declan, uh, Declan Rice, right, in that midfield trying to break down. That should be a very intriguing, intriguing matchup. Well, okay, so 
let's be let, let's have some fun here. Uh, you don't have to go too deep into it, but your initial gut reaction: Who wins, Barcelona against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt? Who do you see winning that one? I think Barcelona. Uh, they they're in the form of their recent lives under Xavi, and the club has shown an intent and a will to get back to their glory days. I know that's a weighted statement because they have a big game called El Clasico coming this weekend. That will have a big say on how they do in terms of the momentum moving forward. Okay, so West Ham, Leon, that can be a little tricky to figure out just because West Ham, even though they find different ways to win, it's a very alien territory, at least for a very long time. How do you see them going against Leon? I see them progressing to the semifinal round in that dream matchup of theirs against Barcelona because they're a team that looks united. They have team spirit and a one Yarmolenko, what's happening in Ukraine is awful, but that can tend to bring locker rooms together. Declan Rice, he gets better and better and better. You see why Manchester United, who's after everyone, they might come after you and I because they're desperate. And that's my team. I don't even know if I want to, to be honest at this point. <laughs> come on now. <laughs> but you see why Manchester United is after this guy. Yeah. He's taking his game to another dimension, contributing. We, we know he's a defensive midfielder. We know he can stop key players on the opposition. But he's now dictating tempos of game. His ball winning and, and really possession has gotten better in the last season or so. Yeah, and obviously West Ham are, are doing this without uh, Jared Bowen as well, who's recovering as well from injury. Can you imagine if they get him back in time for that? But can you imagine that? Barcelona, West Ham, and the same minus would be uh, amazing. All right, well, uh, we let's discuss the other side of it very quickly. Braga, uh, the Portuguese side against Rangers, who, you know, said goodbye to their uh, manager, Steven Gerrard, uh, who's obviously taking care of Villa. But now, you know, they find themselves in the quarterfinals, uh, you know, in this one. How, how do you see that game? I'm going to take Rangers, and I know Des I said it off air. Come on, the Gers. Well, come on, the Gers. I know I said happy St. Patty's Day the other day, but on this show, we can do whatever we want. So, <laughs> Gio Van Bronckhorst, Stevie G, thank you so much for what you've done for this team because in this Rangers lineup, there are five English players that Steven Gerrard has brought to the club, and Rangers and Gio Van Brockers, they're reaping the benefits of that. And James Travenier is who I'm thinking of. Not a Gerard player, but the club captain. He has four goals to his name. And Alfredo Morales, this guy, I'm surprised a bigger team in Europe hasn't come for him. I I'm agree. Sure after this season, he could be moving forward. But him and Travenier, they have half of Rangers goals in Europe this season. Yeah, and they've only lost twice in the league. Even though Celtic lead the table, uh, they've lost three times. So Rangers could do some things against this Portuguese side. So I think we're both in agreement there, Michael. Then we see Rangers going through here, right? Absolutely. Ibrox is becoming a fortress. But what I like about Rangers is they're getting the job done on the road in the away leg. So they don't have to put the mounting pressure because we know how those Rangers fans can turn if Things don't go their way, but this is a team that seems like a team of destiny to get to the next round at least. Interesting. All right, let's wrap it up with uh, a, a good fixture as well because both of these teams have Champions League pedigree. They're fighting to get Champions League football for next season in their respective leagues, and I'm talking about RB Leipzig, of course, against Atalanta. This is very intriguing, not just because of a tactical perspective but also individual matchups how about this one michael i like atalanta mostly because 
they've played European competition. Leipzig going through automatically because of what's happening in Russia and some of the sanctions that UEFA mm. have dealt out. And you, you can only win games, I think, if you have form on your side and you're battle-tested. Leipzig, they're a bit battle-tested in Bundesliga play, but in Europe, you're only as good as your last game, and their last game has been a while. And for Atalanta, it's getting the likes of a Luis Moriel and Jeremy Boga, who knew, hadn't scored a goal for Atalanta in Serie A play, but it doesn't matter what a time to score and what a goal it was for him to come off the bench. If you can get a Jeremy Boga to get back in form and you know that potential that we've all seen from him in the past, if you can get him now delivering in this stage of European competition, that makes them scary. Yeah, absolutely. The one uh, part about this fixture, of course, as you mentioned, is that Leipzig go through because obviously Spartak Moscow were uh, essentially taken out uh, due to the conflict, of course, of uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So now there's been a, a bit of a gap. They do face Eintracht Frankfurt, who we were just talking about in the Bundesliga. But Atalanta, you know, defensively, they did their thing away from home against Leverkusen. So defensively, they could be better. And now, obviously, they face another uh, German side. This should be an intriguing one. So who do you have? You have Atalanta. You're sticking with that one. Yeah, I, I am. Gasparini, just when you have a quality coach, you need quality coaching and quality management. I think from the quarterfinals to advance each stage. And I think I give Gasparini the edge over RB Leipzig. Okay, Atalanta Rangers. Who do you have in the final then? Just very quickly. Rangers against Atalanta. You know what, Des? Sorry. Come on, the girls. Rangers. <laughs> wow. Rangers yeah. get to the final. What about the other side? Barcelona, West Ham. This is, what's the song? Although we've come to the Barcelona are going to be Some singing boys that. Two men in the house. I boys, like it. Two men in the hizzy. Barcelona out of European okay. competition. West Ham, David Moyes, the glory road. Return to glory for him. I'm going the hammers. It's hammer time. Unbelievable. An old British final in the Europa League as Rangers face West Ham. I'm going to go with Barcelona. I think Barcelona will go through. I think it'll be an amazing game. And on the other side, I'm going to go with Atalanta. I love Gasperini. I hope he can do it. But we will see what happens regardless. Some really good fixtures. Michael Lahu, thank you so much for being here. Of course, we have plenty more to give you, including our weekend preview, our weekend recap coming up. So much more uh, from Michael and yours truly and our entire Kegolasso gang as we dissect international uh, break competition. Of course, final thoughts before we say goodbye, Michael. No, I'm good. My coffee's brewing and I think my timer's up. So have a great day. <laughs> well, our producer Des Norris said, are you wearing blue on purpose, my friend? Did you already have that predicted? Uh, Des, Des, you know what? I'm about to ping you on line two. We're gonna need, I think we need to have a chat. <laughs> Michael Lahu, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Kegolasso Pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. That was your Champions League and Europa League. Thanks to Samra Hunter, of course, from La Liga TV, James Bench, and of course, Michael Lahu. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next time. Till then. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillow. 
leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.